Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. Yeah! You can tell that there is a <laughs> different spirit in the air because... Father Anthony is wound up. Well, there's good reason, Father. Amen. Yeah, that's right. There's good reason mm-hmm. for the, the winding up of Father Anthony today. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because of the, the last podcast, which was about Father Stu. Oh, no. Or, or, or the happy reunion that is the three of us. This, I, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's almost a tear. Like, there's the happy part of me and, like, the, the so happy I've got a tear in my eye. It's wow. good to be back with the two of you. Because I don't know how much longer we have for the three of us because it's a summer of craziness here. So, yes. yeah. And we know all of our viewers can see the tear. <laughs> Rolling down your face into your beard. I almost want to sing Whitney Houston. I will always love you, just to the, to the two of you right now. <laughs> I'm glad our viewers can't see the look <laughs> on my face. That's, yes, at that. <clears throat> well, fathers, we're done with Lent. We've been yeah. done Woo-hoo, with Lent. Hallelujah. And we're in the. We that's say, a, we can say that, that now. You can yeah. say that, and and we could feel good about it. And it's we're in the Easter season, but um, just as Lent leads into Easter. The Easter season also leads into Pentecost. Amen. Pentecost. And so we want to do another series. Can you believe it? It's my thing of baseball in here series. (laughs) Yes. And and we're going to do a series on um, a preparation for uh, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. Come on. To to help you to uh, dispose yourselves uh, to receive in a deeper way the outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, on this 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 wonderful uh, upcoming feast that we will celebrate in the church, and uh, we're going to do that by going through a couple different uh, topics. But we're going to start today, but just by just going right to scripture. Great place gotta to start. start. You got to start with scriptures. Yeah. So, and uh, if you haven't noticed, we've been uh, in daily mass. If you've been attending daily mass, we've been reading the Acts of the Apostles. Um, and so, the Acts of the Apostles, we know it's uh, there was a the possibility that the, the the name of that scripture was also going to maybe be the acts of the holy spirit mm. and so we can see very much the way that the holy spirit as jesus promises is acting uh, and working in the early christian community as they go forth to, to spread the word and so that's I just where we're going to start i just want to say about daily mass it's somewhat of like a preacher's nightmare <laughs> well maybe the nightmare is the wrong word but like you have acts of the apostles and the gospel of john and you're like mm-hmm. i don't i don't know what to choose from mm. like these are both amazing things like <clears throat> so maybe nightmare is the wrong word it's kind of like going to the buffet and there's like prime rib and a chocolate cake and you're like i don't know which one to serve um, it's so much goodness so much goodness which is, is why it's the easter season that's why you got to go to daily mass that's right and so, here we go. All right. Oh, wait, Let's we go. start. What's that? I said, away we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were cautioning me of something. <clears throat> we're going to start. Um, fathers, do you want to just start by, by reading part of the Acts of the Apostles? Or do you want to just kind of go through? Yeah, I mean, let's, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, can, I, can I set the stage for us? Do it. Is that okay? I just mm. want to talk about this, the place they're in. Because mm. they're in the upper room, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is an important place because this is we, we it's believed that it was John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark's mother's house, um, and uh, by scholars, and and that Jesus is gone up to <clears throat> celebrate the Last Supper with his yeah. apostles <clears throat> in the upper room. 
So the first thing that happens in the upper room, this beautiful place, is uh, the first Eucharist. Yeah. Jesus washing the feet of his apostles. Jesus giving this incredible sermon, which is starts in John, well, the washing the feet in 13, but goes through John 17, yeah. and 14 and 17 in particular, this beautiful sermon that Jesus gives at the Last Supper. And so we have Jesus... In, in installing the priesthood. So mm-hmm. we have the first Eucharist, we have the installation of the priesthood, we have this incredible, you know, first mass happening yeah. in the room. Not only that, after Jesus dies and rises from the dead, on Easter Sunday, he appears to the apostles in the upper room. They're yeah. locked in the upper room, and that's where he appears to them. And and, and he actually um, not only allays their fears that it really is him, yeah. but what does he start with? He speaks peace over them. Mm-hmm. Peace be with you. And so in this room, he's spoken peace over that place. Mm-hmm. And then what does he say? Receive the Holy yeah. Spirit. So in the upper room, he has spoken, and, and he's given them the power for uh, the sacrament of reconciliation. Yeah. Whoever sins you forgive are forgiven, who sins you retain are retained. So in this this same place, he's spoken peace. Not only has he come in the form of his very body, uh, as very, his very person, you yes. know, in the flesh, he's yeah. instead of the Eucharist, instead of the priesthood, instead of the sacrament of reconciliation. He's sent forth the Holy Spirit, received the Holy Spirit. He's spoken for the Holy Spirit in this place. Mm. And he's spoken forth peace. Peace be with you. The yes. peace that overcomes all the fear, yeah. all the doubt, um, all the anger, and every emotion they're feeling from his death. Yeah. And so there's a lot that's happened in this Oh, yeah. Place. There's, 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 there's a lot of power in this room. Um, and then he's appeared for 40 days from mm-hmm. the time of Easter Sunday until his ascension. Uh, this obviously is some kind of central gathering place within Jerusalem. There are other places, they're in yeah. Galilee and other places, but in Jerusalem, a central gathering place for them. And then after Jesus ascends, he says, go to Jerusalem. Where do they go? The upper room. Yep. They go to this place where all this beautiful stuff has happened. And that's where they gather to pray. Mm-hmm. That's where they gather. Um, and we see even from Acts chapter one, that they're, they're praying every day. Um, they're... Uh, they're celebrating their Thanksgiving, probably the breaking of the bread, Eucharistia, mm-hmm. um, and that they uh, get the twelfth apostle. Right, Judas yeah. has been betrayed, and they uh, elect Matthias. Yeah, uh, Saint Peter acting as the pope in this moment, where he's standing in that authority mm-hmm. uh, as pope, his papal office, saying, "Okay, one bishop's gone. We need to replace him with another bishop." From the very beginning, and uh, and we also see the, the the trust in the Holy Spirit in that. It's like, let's choose lots. Then we're going to see yeah. what God wants. Yeah. So I just want to start by laying out the scene of this is yeah. the place that we're gathered in in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost. This is the place that we're, we're gonna be in uh, spiritually in a sense, um, mm. waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, and I, I always found it um, <clears throat> really quite beautiful that the Lord, you know, when he's with them before he ascends, that he tells them, you know, don't leave Jerusalem until the promised Holy Spirit comes upon you. And like you're saying, Father, that there's so much that has happened in this upper room um, and that, you know, those, those nine days in between, uh, which is where we get the idea of a novena, you mm-hmm. know, praying for nine days yep. for the Lord, either to answer some petition or to pour out some grace, um, that the first novena, what they were praying for and what they were expecting was the Holy Spirit himself was outpouring the Holy Spirit himself. Um, and I just always found that so beautiful. Um, and that it's through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that they are then able to, you know, the rest of the book of the, of the Acts of the Apostles pretty much are yep. able to do what the Lord empowers them to do. And we see these dramatic changes in, in characters like uh, like Peter and um, his courage, uh, even in his first sermon that he preaches on that on that day of, of Pentecost. But- I like I like what you just kind of said, like that's where we're gonna be spiritually during this time. Like mm-hmm. we're 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 going spiritually to the upper room. And even just, you know, 
one of the metaphors that we use for just the the heart is is an, is is just kind of like a house. You know, there's there's many rooms in in our heart, and we go to different places in our heart to pray. And in these days, we want to go to that upper room uh, and go there and go there with Our Lady, go there with the apostles, and go there with your other friends who are saints. And just when you're going to pray, just go imagine yourself in that upper room with with Our Lady and all all of your all of your heavenly friends, and just be waiting and praying for the Holy Spirit. I think that's I think that's really I think it's probably gonna be how I'm gonna be praying for the next forty days. So well, and let Jesus speak peace over it. Yeah. If there is any anxiety, any worry, any fear, any anger, any whatever it mm. is that there's not peace in your life, mm-hmm. let Jesus speak the peace over that. Because speaking the peace prepares the way. Mm-hmm. Peace be with you. Peace be yes. with you. He says it over his apostles in this place. And we gotta let Jesus speak peace over that room in our heart. Because all the time that room can be in toil, that room can be yeah. in turmoil. We, we can be in the place of the apostles <laughs> um, where they're in the fear. When they, they've heard Mary Magdalene's like, he's alive, and they don't believe. Mm-hmm. Right? They're struggling. Um, yeah. Because they're holding on to all their fear, all their doubt. And we got to let Jesus be peace over the hearts to prepare our hearts yeah. for this great day of Pentecost. Amen. And so, um, just from the, the text here, you know, it says when in, in Acts 2 when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I just love the, you know, we often talk about Pentecost as the birthday of the church. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much, I mean, if you're you're a non-Catholic Christian, you know, I don't know how they might view Pentecost um, in regard to the church or what their what their idea would be there, but it's so obvious for us as Catholics mm-hmm. when you think about who was in the upper room. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have uh, the Blessed Mother, mm-hmm. who is an image of the church, yes. right? Um, both for Saint Francis and even someone like Saint or Saint Pope Benedict um, would talk about uh, Our Lady. One yeah, day. one day <laughs> would talk about Our Lady in this way, right? Um, but that also you have mm. Peter, who yes. is our first pope, who is who is the rock. And then you have all the apostles. So you have the apostolic and the Marian dimensions mm-hmm. of the church there. And the Holy Spirit, who's the charismatic dimension mm-hmm. of the church. So it's just like everything in the in the upper room there. Yeah. Um, not to mention again what you were saying, Father, earlier about this is where the Eucharist was celebrated. I mean, everything and anything that's Catholic has happened in this room and is present like right now in this room. Sure. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think for me, you know, as, as we're preparing for Pentecost um, that what this really kind of shows us is that we already have so much in the church mm-hmm. to help us to deepen our faith, to help us to come uh, to our Lord and to help us to be more open and disposed to the reception of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I, for me, I, I kind of love the the elemental imagery, uh, especially just the the tongues of fire. I don't think I really ever really understood what a tongue of fire was, especially as a kid growing up. I was like, "What the heck is a tongue of fire?" But um, but they are, but they have become like candles, where a candle burns, and at the at the wick is just like a tongue of fire, um, and that fire, that burning of the flame was always to then indicate that the presence of God is here. 
So we can even think of in our own churches that we have a candle, a sanctuary candle in the sanctuary, and there's just one little tongue that tells us that God is present in the tabernacle in this church. And so the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind and and shakes the room, and, and then tongues of fire appear to then manifest that that God is present in their midst, but then that now God is present in them as well, that they are then filled with the presence and the power of God. Uh, and, and they have literally become a candle. Uh, they've literally become like a flame. And, and just how then that is telling us that, that God is here, God is present in a very tangible and a very present and a very, very powerful and beautiful way. I love the book of, James, the letter of James, where he calls the father, the father of lights. Mm, yes. It's one of St. Bonaventure's favorite terms. Yeah. Father of lights. That's what that makes me think of, that we're all like the little lights, mm-hmm. you know, the little, the little Christs, the little mm-hmm. anointed ones in a sense. <clears throat> but, um, so as we kind of continue to talk about this a little bit, um, and we've talked about, now obviously this is that the nine days between, you know, our Lord's ascension, which we'll celebrate, um, and then into Pentecost Day when the Holy Spirit comes, that they are together, they are praying. They are together, they are praying. And so we know um, that prayer is extremely important, extremely important mm-hmm. to dispose ourselves for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, fathers, if you could maybe, you know, anything that you're seeing here, anything, you know, even just in your... Um, past readings of, of Acts or just the time in between, what do you think that time of prayer would have been like? You know, this, this, this community in the church that they are, it's the early church. There's still probably some fear going on because of what's going on with the Jews. And what do you think that prayer would have been like? And how can we learn from that uh, in our own time of preparation and prayer over these, these next few days and weeks? Well, I think we have to recognize it would have centered around the Eucharist. Um, that when we hear even later in Acts of the Apostles, what are they always doing? They're gathering for the breaking of the bread. And that's not just a sh- meal sharing. That's the Eucharist. They're gathering, it says they're gathering to give thanks. The word in literally in Greek, Eucharistia. They're gathering for Eucharist. Um, and, and that their prayer was centered around the Eucharist, that Jesus um, most likely taught them. I mean, because we see it just from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So either through the Holy Spirit, through an internal inspiration, or directly because he told them after the, um, it, while he was not recording I would say he undoubtedly taught them. Yeah, I, just, I think he definitely like, taught them. Yeah. That here's, here we need to do the, like this is, do this in remembrance of me. It's why they're writing it down. It's why, they're always, it's why mm-hmm. St. Paul talks about it. So there's this, a lot of evidence of them Eucharistizing from the very beginning, mm-hmm. giving thanks in the form of the mass like we have it today. Um, and, and so the, that prayer would have consisted of the Eucharist, that they would have gathered and they would have um, offered up his body and blood in imitation of the cross from the very beginning. So there is this, because the priest has already been established, the Eucharist has already been established, um, and, and that the, the Peter would have gathered on with his with the apostles and they would have uh, given thanks to God through the great offering. They're offering to the Father the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So that's how they're praying, which is why we need to center our prayer around the Eucharist. And if we really want to celebrate Pentecost, what, is the, what does the church do to celebrate Pentecost? Well, we have Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's how it all starts. Our, our life centers around the Eucharist. Um, and also, there probably was quiet. I mean, they probably prayed the Psalms. Mm-hmm. They're Jewish. They, they, the Psalms are the prayers of, of Jesus Christ. The prayers. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of praise and thanksgiving in the Psalms, giving those, those Psalms of praise, those Psalms of thanksgiving, um, discussing of scripture, but probably quiet. I can only imagine the silence. I mean, Our Lady's a contemplative. 
And, uh, and so where she is, there's going to be con- contemplation happening. Uh, so yes, there's only 20 people in a small room. Um, yes, they're <clears throat> gathered together. But at the same time, like especially after receiving the Eucharist, I can't even imagine the, how, what the room would have been like. Have you ever ever been in those masses where just everybody's just communion and just quiet? Mm. You know, either they haven't, either there's because there's not music or or because they finished the song. You just have that silence, that mm-hmm. deep, and, and it's not a an empty silence of like an awkward silence, mm-hmm. but it's a deep silence. I hope I hope you know what the difference is if you're listeners out there. That there probably was a that deep silence, and there's a lot of prayer that happens. Why? Because hearts are being opened up, surgery's being done, the Lord's working and mm. moving in that deep silence. So I think there would have been the reception. They were in praise and thanksgiving and through the Psalms uh, and other other songs. There would have been the Eucharist itself, and yeah. there would have been deep, deep, deep silence. Yeah, opening up our, our hearts to the Lord and what the because the Lord said, "Go and pray." And they're like, wait for the promise of God. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly what that means. Probably have an idea, but I don't know exactly what it means. So they're just waiting and they're opening their hearts up to what God wants to do. Yeah, I, I think I think of our of Our Lady in particular at this at this at during this time. Cause she's really the only one who's had an encounter like this before where at the Annunciation, we are told that she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon her in such a way <laughs> so that she conceived the second person of the Trinity in her womb. It's good prayer. That's real good prayer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I think she, just her her, her model and her, her witness and her example to the apostles in this time, I think she's definitely teaching them how to pray right now. Uh, and, and, and she knows the Holy Spirit better than anyone. She also knows her son, Jesus, better than anyone. Um, and so I think they're probably looking to her like, Hey mom, like, what are we supposed to be doing right now? (laughs) You know? And she's like, okay, here's where, here's how, here's how you pray. Here's how you are a contemplative. Here's how you enter into silence. And so I think she is just as how she continues to teach us how to pray in this day and age. Uh, she's always coming and telling us to pray the rosary, uh, and that is a contemplative prayer, just that. And so I think her example, her witness, her model to to everyone in the upper room of, of how to pray, of how to receive the Eucharist, I'm sure when they watched her receive communion, they're like, oh, okay, that's how you do it. Um, and as they then watched her like go back to her seat and just sit there as she's just communing with her son in the Eucharist and like, oh, okay, so that's how, that's how you pray in silence. Okay, well, I'm just going to keep <laughs> looking at Mary and she's going to keep telling me what to do or, or modeling for me what to do. And I think we can do that. I think during this time we can ask Our Lady, okay, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to receive the Eucharist. Uh, teach me how to give thanks at Mass when I'm back in my pew. Uh, teach me how to receive your son as you received them all of those times. And so I think that is a way in which we too can prepare ourselves for the, for the coming of the Holy Spirit and just say, okay, teach me how to get ready. Show me how to get ready. And she'll, she, she knows. Yes. Our lady is a huge help in our, in our, in our lives, in our spiritual lives. Um, And I think, you know, for us, I, I know, you know, at least for myself, that the person of the Holy Spirit, sometimes it can be so hard to kind of know how to relate to the person of the Holy Spirit mm. or who is the Holy Spirit or, you know, it's because 
we we see a lot of the the ways that the Holy Spirit acts again, even in Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, but sometimes it's it's not um, it's it's the Holy Spirit doesn't really say much in Scripture, right? There there might be only a couple of times that things are actually attributed to Him speaking. Um, well, and I guess obviously, you could say all of scriptures is what he yes, said. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. No, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> but then, like the Lord, you know, like we we can read about Him in the Gospels, and so sometimes maybe people feel a little bit like, okay, well, I don't even really know how to relate to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, through this, we can help to uncover a little bit more about who the Holy Spirit is. But I wonder, um, even just in this in this first text here, even the first uh, few chapters of Acts, you know, we have um, again we have a, a sound that comes from heaven, like a, a rush of a mighty wind, and then we have tongues of fire, uh, and already we have two images uh, of you know how the church has kind of had different images for the the person of the Holy Spirit, um, two of those being uh, a wind or or fire. Um, it always strikes me when you read through Acts chapter 2 that the sound that came from heaven was so loud that it actually attracted the people around the upper room too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just makes you wonder, like, well, what was hmm. what was that? Because like obviously if you just hear the wind outside, you're like, okay, it's just a windy day. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe it wasn't always as windy where they were. But um, I think that there's little ways that we can kind of glean and see even just through these little images here, like, who is the Holy Spirit? How is he revealing himself in these passages? And so I'm, I'm wondering, fathers, is there is there anything here that can kind of help us to understand, you know, even with those images of wind and fire or just anything else, um, you know, even the um, the fact that they began to speak in other tongues, you know, anything here that we can kind of understand or see who the Holy Spirit is. And we don't have enough time. <laughs> um, we have five weeks. <laughs> yeah, we have five weeks. I think the, the thing that, that strikes me first that I'd like to talk about is that um, the Holy Spirit rests mm. on them. Mm. So it says, it divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. The Greek there actually means sat, to sit. Yes. It actually sits on them. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit comes and sits down on them. He comes and he rests on them. I, I think this is an important understanding of, of our relationship with the Holy Spirit because he he's looking for a place to rest. Mm. He's looking for a place, and this is a great meditation, I think, for us in preparation for Pentecost, is that the Holy Spirit is looking for a soul to rest in. That, that as strange it is, God wants to rest in us, and we see God resting. We see God resting on the Sabbath in creation, right? The Father rests on the Sabbath, and again, this is this is all spiritual language here. Right? Yes. God is a pure act; He doesn't need to rest. Yes. But spiritually, why does He mention resting? Right? Jesus rests, and it's because He's sleeping on a boat in the middle of a storm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, He's tired. Even the Holy Spirit, He hovers over the water. He rests here on and, and on the apostles in a tongue of fire. He comes in the form of a tongue of fire, and what does He do? He rests. Mm-hmm. He rests on the apostles, and. I think for us, it's a sign that the Holy Spirit wants to come and make his abide. We know that Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. He wants to, to abide within us. He wants to make our, us a temple. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. He wants to come and abide with us. And that the Holy Spirit wants to rest in this temple. And that our, is your temple a place of rest for God? Or is it a place of distress and chaos and anxiety and fear and anger and lust and, and sin? Because if it's that, it's not a place God can rest. You know, it's, at worst a place, he, he's not even welcome, mm-hmm. you know. 
Um, a step from that, it's a place to where maybe he's got to come and sweep all the time because it's, you know, it's dirty and nasty. And we all need work. I'm not trying to you know, get away from that. But at the same time, like, is this a place where you can sit down in the quiet of adoration and let God come and rest in your heart and your soul? Um, or not, or maybe you avoid the silence. Maybe you avoid adoration. Maybe you don't like it because it's not a place you can come rest. It's a place, you know, and, and so get to it so he can get you to the mm-hmm. place where you can come to rest. That, that that the Holy Spirit wants to come and rest. But how does he get to the place that he can rest? Well, fire. Fire is how he, how he, how he creates mm-hmm. the space to rest. Fire to burn away anything and everything that's not of the Father mm-hmm. that's in you. All the sin, most importantly, but even things that aren't sinful but are drawing you away from God, the anxieties, the worries, the fears, not necessarily sinful, I should say, um, that are, might be taking over your heart and taking over your life. And it's no longer a place where there's peace, the peace where his, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is manifest in your life because you're so filled with fear and anxiety and anger and all these other things. And so the Holy Spirit wants to rest and you've got to make a place, a dwelling place for him on Pentecost, this upper room mm-hmm. that we're going to go. We need to go. We're going to the upper room to yeah. let the Holy Spirit rest on us, but we need to make ourselves an upper room yeah. for the Holy Spirit to come and rest. <clears throat> we So we know that we worship one God in three persons, the first person being the Father. That's obviously something that's relational for us. Uh that we can kind of grasp that relationship. Oh, okay, a father, we know what a father does. Uh, and there might be impediments to that from our own, from father wounds and things like that, but we get it. And then there's Jesus who became a man. Um, and so we also get that too. We can relate to that. And then the Holy Spirit is this mysterious person of the Trinity. And we're not given sort of human language to relate to him in that way. Instead, we're given more like elemental language. He's water, he's a wind, he's he's fire, he's 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 these are the images that we're given. And so, like, well, how do you relate to wind? How do you relate to water? How do you relate to fire like a person? Um, and so I think some of the, the, the trick sometimes is to tr- sometimes treat the Holy Spirit as if he's just like the force in Star Wars <laughs> that we call upon and, and does cool things, but we don't have a relationship with him like we might the father and the son and but he is a person of the trinity and and i think he is that person who then draws us into the mystery of the trinity where where we can sometimes trick ourselves in thinking well we know the father and we know the son because those are more human relationships that we can sort of wrap our minds around but the holy spirit says no 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 you can't wrap your mind around God. You can't wrap your mind around me. Just as you can't catch wind, um, you can't catch me or God. That 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 the Holy Spirit invites us into mystery. Uh, you can't control fire. It's going to burn. Um, and even water, too, is uncontrollable. The, the ocean and floods, there are moments where it breaks forth and, and all of our human technology and strength is just powerless before the hurricane and the flood and it breaks everything and just washes everything away and so that i think the holy in our relationship with the holy spirit he is that one person who invites us into the mystery um that you're not going to wrap your head around me and that and that you're not you're not going to control this relationship i'm wind i'm fire i'm water i'm a person and so i'm going to to act upon you and in you and through you and 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 in these mysterious ways. Uh, and he wants us to talk to him like a person and he will then speak to us like a person, but 
But there's something so mysterious about the Holy Spirit that that is unlike the other persons of the Trinity, if I can speak that way. Um. And I think, um, I mean, if you've, if you've never read Acts of the Apostles, I just highly recommend um, doing that during this time. But I love the change that happens to Peter. Mm. I just love the change. I mean, if you go into the Gospels just a couple chapters earlier, you know, the same Peter who who was, you know, done, denying Jesus uh, three times um, is now preaching this fiery Pentecost sermon, calling everyone on, you mm-hmm. know, uh, that leads to, you know, 3,000 receiving baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, what changed? What changed in Peter? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't want to paint the picture as if Peter was one way and after Pentecost was an entirely another way. Um, so this is the guy who's like, Lord, if that's you, call me out. Like, I'm going to walk on that water. Um, there's something courageous about that. There's something fiery and bold about that. He's the guy who picks up the sword at the uh, 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 on Holy Thursday and cuts a dude's ear off. Um and, and is convinced that he's going to follow the Lord to his death. Um, and there's something courageous and bold about that. But that's, but that's what leads then him to his fall. So, so there's these, there, Peter is this guy who gets caught up in his, his, his courage and his boldness and his strength. But then it like, it's, it's just founded on human foundations. So he sinks in the water after he gets called out. And then he denies the Lord after three times after trying to follow him. And so I think what happens to him now is that the Holy Spirit is able to come and purify that and and, and sanctify that and use what's already in him to then mold it so that now it's going to have real strength. It's not just going to have the strength of Peter anymore. It's going to have the strength of God and the strength of the Holy Spirit to, to take who he is and then, okay, I'm going to use this dude who is who is bold in his own way, uh, but then also kind of fickle and and just to kind of then then heal that, sanctify it, purify it. So then she's going to let this dude go and he's going to not be founded on Peter's strength anymore, which is going to fail every time, but now founded on the strength of the Lord. So you're going to go out and now you're going to preach this sermon and 3,000 are going to be converted and baptized this day. And so I think what changes in him is that He's no longer relying on his own strength and his own passions, but now he is relying on the Holy Spirit. And, and that's the change, I think, that happens with Peter. Well, and additionally, again, the Lord speaks over them, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There's a way in which the Holy Spirit's been poured out. They've already been ordained priests. Yep. So there's yep. a certain aspect in which they've got the, the, the Holy Spirit's been given, gifted to them previously, in, in a sense. Um, and yet we also know something happens at Acts of the Apostles. Yes. And, and Peter's acting, obviously following the Holy Spirit. It's like, we need another apostle. Yep. Like there's, there's things in which he's already being guided by those spirits, already following the Holy Spirit. He's acting in boldness, acting as the leader. Um, but now he's sent out. Now, because the Lord says, go and wait. And I think what's so beautiful about this is before he's like, I'll die with you. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. And now he says, go and wait. You know what Peter does? He waits. Yeah that he waits for those nine days. And obviously the Lord's molding him, preparing him in this time. But also he's, Peter's being obedient to the Lord mm. and saying, okay, the time has not yet come. I'll know when the time comes, when the Holy Spirit's poured out. And it's this 
the sign from God, where obviously a spirituality changes, but also this great sign and all that boldness, all that courage. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, I've been released now. Yeah. It's time to go. It's time to act. Um, and, and so how beautiful that, um, I, I, again, it's, it's, I think this change of, of, they like said the zeal of Peter, but mm-hmm. also just the obedience mm-hmm. yes. where, you know, I'm going to die with you. It's like, no, it's like, <laughs> go and wait. Okay. I will go and wait. Mm-hmm. And, and in that, this is called that we have to wait on the Holy Spirit. Like we don't want to get ahead of the Lord. Like we got to wait till the Lord yeah. acts and let him be the leader. Yeah. He's driving. We're following. Amen. So we give our give our Lord our ourself and everything that we are and to be obedient to him, to wait upon him, to wait with him. Amen. So we've already finished. Praise God. Luckily, it's a five-part series. Yeah, I got a whole lot more to say. It's just, it just goes quick, doesn't it? It does. <clears throat> it really does. And yet, not totally finished. <laughs> because I have questions. No, good. <laughs> need questions? Answers. We've missed Ooh. your question, brother. Yes. I, I have missed, I've missed something too. <laughs> um, so we talked about some of the, the images that the church has used to describe the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the the fire, the wind, the even the oil, mm-hmm. uh, yes, the water, right, one, yeah. um, the Holy Spirit as a dove. You know, what is your favorite image, and why? Mm. That's a good question. So I. Don't, it's hard to say my favorite image. Oh, he's gonna but, do it again. <laughs> I know, but it's uh, it's certainly the image I pray with the most. Mm. Okay, and that's the Holy Spirit as a crucible. Mm. Um, that that it's I mean fire, but probably the right term for it. But I think fire in the in the form of a crucible. We hear about the the, the Lord, you know, is like putting us in a crucible, right? And a crucible would be where you put gold, and so because gold, when you pull it out of the mountain, it has all this dirt and all this right. other stuff that isn't gold, and you got to throw it in the crucible. Um, so that everything that's not of gold gets cleaned out and so that only the gold remains. <clears throat> um, and so probably listened to Refiner's Fire one too many times growing up, you know, just purify <laughs> my heart. Uh, but that, that beautiful image of, of that's what fire does. That fire, when you throw metal into it, you know, gold into it, it'll burn away all the stuff that isn't pure. And so that, that's the image I probably pray with the most. Favorite's hard to say that because it's not easy to like go into yeah. the crucible of the Holy Spirit. It's not fun to go into the crucible of the Holy Spirit. Um, and oftentimes we want to think of fire, like, oh, let your fire fall and, uh, and then be empowered with your fire to go spread your fire. It's like, well, you know, oftentimes your fire is burning away all that stuff in me that isn't of the Father. Yeah. And there's a lot of it. And so for me, that's the image I certainly pray with the most is being, a, being in the crucible of the Holy Spirit. I think fire as well. I think just because fire... It, it, it's obviously it's a it's a divine it's an inspired image that the, that the Lord gives us because because uh, fire does have this capacity to just burn burn things away you know and purify and refine as Father's talking about but but the, we also call the Holy Spirit the the Comforter and the Consoler and so the fire also has this capacity to really just warm yeah. uh, and, and and the coldness and and then and then the darkness fire is a light to to lead us and so. I think that image of fire is one that that I, I, I really love because you, you do sometimes feel that fire in your heart um, and it burns in you. And then sometimes you're just in the darkness of the world and, and then the Holy Spirit comes to kind of lead and guide to the fire. and Or you're just cold and you're lonely and, and you draw near the fire to be warmth and, and comforted as the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And then just also just that, that purifying fire as well to just make me holy. So I think fire is the image for me as well. Amen. Mine is also fire. That's probably why we're. <laughs> <laughs>
Franciscan fires. Oh, the Holy Spirit. see what we're he not, did there. Like Dad Christ. jokes got him. Not like pyros or something. Yeah. We just really love the Holy Spirit. That's a lot. right. <clears throat> All right. Well, part one. Amen. Stay tuned for the next part. Father, would you pray us out? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to pour forth the fire of your Holy Spirit and all who are listening to this podcast, uh, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them now and just begin to prepare their hearts for a greater outpouring, a greater manifestation, and a greater empowering of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost. We ask all this through Mary's intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.